When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome along to Tradies News in a Nutshell. Middle of the week, Wednesday morning. It's the 17th of May, 2023. Daniel Pettigrew back in the chair for the next hour. We're broadcasting through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. one 1170 our open line number. Or you can send a text anytime, 0457 736 736. All before breakfast with Vossie and James Magnuson this morning. Brandy having his RDO. Busy selecting that New South Wales team. And a pad in heels for listers up in Queensland after 6am for you. Lots to get through this morning. Of course, a lot of it surrounding the Dragons over the past 24 hours. There is a bit of other news around. More on that. Talk about Las Vegas. A surprise bid for the 2025 Rugby League World Cup. And Pat Cummins has said he's okay with test matches being rotated. Uh, if it does good for the game and cricket, we'll talk all about that. Uh, plus, in about 15 minutes, we'll have a chat with Matty Cox in Melbourne, host of Tradies News in Melbourne, talk about some of the big issues of the week, dominating news headlines here and also in Melbourne. And then in about half an hour's time, going to have a chat with Jack Clifton. He's host of the Red V podcast, uh, very popular podcast in amongst Dragons fans. Uh, we'll get his reaction um, and no doubt... Uh, the fans' reaction as well uh, to the sacking of Anthony Griffin yesterday with Ryan Carr being named as interim coach. So lots to get through between now and 6am. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. our open line number. Or you can text 0457 736 736. The Hot Topic, thanks to Rheem. Built tough for Aussie conditions. When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a Rheem. Yeah, does your not hot water need replacing? Go steady, hot and strong. Ask your plumber to install a ream at two and a half past five. Uh, let us start with the Dragons on this Wednesday morning. So almost 24 hours ago now, Anthony Griffin uh, being given the sack, will not be coaching the Dragons for the remainder of 2023. Now, as I said yesterday on the show, from a personal point of view, I don't know Anthony. Uh, I know people that do. They say he's a lovely person and you never want anyone to lose their job. So from that point of view, uh, I feel very sorry for him and wish him all the best. And I think, well, I think everyone would do. But from a rugby league only point of view, I think this is probably the only decision the Dragons could have made. There's been talk, and as I've said over the past couple of days, there's been talk about this for the past couple of months, about whether... He's going to be around coaching them next year and beyond. Ben Hunt was asked in the media about a month ago about whether he would stay if Anthony Griffin left, and uh, that will be interesting to see. They're backing him, the Dragons, at the moment to stay, but we'll just wait and see what happens with that. But after their performances, particularly in recent weeks, they haven't won a game in a while, um, the writing was on the wall for Anthony Griffin a lot sooner. So he has... Uh, being given the flick, uh, he will not be there for the rest of the season. Um, and as I say, we wish him all the best. Um, so Ryan Carr comes in to the interim coach role for the remainder of the year. Um, we'll see uh, what happens there. Um, 
Paul McGregor is telling them just to stick and choose, basically. Um, and give the next coach, whoever it is, but of course Paul McGregor, ex-coach of the Dragons as well, the next coach, whoever it is, a bit of time. Uh, but they are ready to step up negotiations uh, with Jason Riles after the Roosters gave their assistant coach their blessing for him to leave his contract early to take over at the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Ben Hornby and Dean Young remain the trio of options for the Dragons who officially parted ways, as we know, with Griffin yesterday morning. So Rolls is the hot favourite, and it is understood his manager, George Mimas, has already put terms to the Dragons for them to consider. Only if negotiations fall through will Riles not be at the Dragons next year. And his first significant obstacle has been overcome after the Roosters chairman, Nick Politis, gave Riles and the Dragons his blessing for the two parties to negotiate a potential deal, despite Riles having 12 months left on his Roosters contract. Uh, the Dragons will balk at Riles's request for a five-year deal, but could agree to a long-term contract, which has certain uh, parameters, including extension triggers based on success and a capped payout clause. Uh, Riles also wants a say on his support staff and the makeup of the club's football department. Those talks are expected to ramp up after Friday night's game between the Roosters and St. George Illawarra. Um, the Dragons will have to pay out what was left as well of Griffin's $500,000 contract after, after cutting him loose. Um, who is the best next coach for the Dragons? It seems quite likely it is going to be Jason Riles. Um, there are other contenders there. Dean Young, Ben Hornby, Des Hadzler's name has been mentioned, Shane Flanagan, uh, Michael Checker as well. It is an interesting one. Look, Riles has been for quite some time thought of as the next big NRL coach. But if I'm the Dragons, I wouldn't be, and I know Riles wants saying who's going to be around him, so we'll wait and see if he is named coach, what experience he gets around him. But I wouldn't be saying no to an experienced coach of a Des Hassler type. I, I don't think that would be necessarily a bad thing for the Dragons. However, maybe fresh blood is a good thing as well. Maybe a complete overhaul is a good thing. And in the meantime, they've got an interim coach for the rest of the year. And sometimes, and we've seen it in the past, in different sports, an interim coach can turn things around. Can you remember a time when an interim coach in one sport or another, whether it be NRL or somewhere overseas, came in and just turned your team around or a team around? 0457 736 736 or one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. But who would you be picking as Dragons coach? You don't have to be a Dragons fan. But who would you be picking as Dragons coach? Would it be Jason Riles, new fresh blood? Or would you be looking at someone a bit different? Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six or one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Potentially someone with a bit more experience um, after what the Dragons have been through and continue to go through. What do you reckon? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 I mentioned uh, just away from rugby league for a second, uh, and this has been talk of cricket over the past couple of days about the potential of putting the New Year's Day and Boxing Day test to a rotation plan. Well, Australian captain Pat Cummins says he will support moving the traditional Melbourne and Sydney Boxing Day and New Year tests if the changes enhance the game. 
So Cummins' comments come after Cricket Australia said it would not endorse test venues beyond next season, with the South Australian government having made an audacious bid to lure the New Year test away from Sydney. And the Victorian Premier, and we'll ask Manny Cox about this shortly, Daniel Andrews, has declined to lock in the Boxing Day test, saying it has to represent value before his government signs off on a new venue hire agreement with the Melbourne Cricket Club and Cricket Australia. Uh, Cummins, one of six New South Wales stars in the test team, showed no great affection for the Sydney test either. He said, I've got no strong views. I think the way that test summer that test summer works is always pretty good. But if anyone has any out there ideas that's going to attract more fans to watch on TV or at the ground, then I think that's a good thing. Head office, obviously, look after all the scheduling and we're pretty happy to go along with whatever is happening. Any chance, you reckon? of the Boxing Day test and the New Year's test being moved. Would you support that? Do you agree with Pat Cummins? Maybe it's a good thing. But it's, it's hard to see both tests, in particular, and I'll go and back for Melbourne to be here, in particular the Boxing Day test, which is a huge tradition, as is the Sydney New Year's test, move anywhere away from Melbourne Sydney. But it could happen. Would you support that? Or do you think, no way? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. And Qatar, uh, we know they recently hosted the Football World Cup. They've now expressed interest in hosting the 2025 Rugby League World Cup as uh, the Rugby League International Federation explores plan B after France pulled the pin on hosting the 2025 event. Could it be held in Qatar? There's a lot more to that story. I'll get to it. But where in the world would you like to see the Rugby League World Cup hosted in 2025? Now, it's not going to be France. If you got free tickets to go somewhere in the world, 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170, where in the world would you like to go and see the Rugby League World Cup played? Free tickets, where would you like to go? Where would your destination be? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. So that's your sum of what's on our agenda on this Wednesday morning. As I say, Jack Clifton on in about 20 minutes, host of the Red V podcast. But before that, we'll take a break and speak to Matty Cox, host of Tradies News in Melbourne in just a second. It is bang on 10 past five. At 14 and a half past five, we're going to have a chat with Matty Cox, host of Tradies News in Melbourne in just a second. This from Carmelo. Jason Taylor turned the eels around when we came interim coach. Gave the Hain plane his first start. Yes, Jason Taylor. Good domination. Which interim coach turned your club around? Where, if you had free tickets, would you like to see the next Rugby League World Cup hosted? And are you okay with the Boxing Day test and the Year's test being rotated? one 1170 or 0457-736-736. Let's have a chat with the host of Melbourne's Traders News, the great Matty Cox. Very good morning to you. Part-time? Uh, no, no, not so much part-time now. I've done uh, another, well, this is another whole week. This is actually my yeah, first whole week for a while. But hello, Matty. How are we? You poor thing. I'm well. Know, I'm well. Another uh, busy week in yes. the sporting landscape. Just a bit. Just a bit. Where would you like to start? Because there's a lot happening in the AFL, a bit in cricket, a bit in rugby league. I'll let you, seeing that you are the full-timer, pick where we start today. <laughs> Thank you. Very kind of you. That's okay. Nice to see that you're respecting hierarchy. Oh, exactly. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> let, let, let's, let's go a little way back in the week yeah. to when Craig Bellamy announced that yes. he's going to go around yet again for the Melbourne Storm, a 22nd season in charge. How's that been received in your neck of the woods? And did that play a role in what unfolded yesterday at St. George Illawarra? 
Uh, well, let's start with Craig Bellamy and the Melbourne Storm. Uh, not overly surprising, I don't think, is probably uh, the general thinking about what's happened with Craig Bellamy. Cameron Smith uh, was on with Fossey and Brandy as he is with every, on every, every Monday morning and said he wasn't overly shocked when that news came through. It, it is interesting, though, with Craig Bellamy. Manny, isn't it? And I know we've spoken about this before. He was on NRL 360, what, two and a half months ago, three months ago, saying this is more than, more than likely his last year. But we've been here before with Bellamy. Um, and he's decided to go on again for at least one more year until the end of 2024. His 22nd, it will be his 22nd consecutive year as coach of the Melbourne Storm, which is just a remarkable achievement. Um, So really good news for the Melbourne Storm. As to the second part of your question as to whether it affected uh, yesterday's events with the Dragons, not really. Um, The only thing that it has maybe, well, definitely affected is Jason Riles, who is assistant coach at the Roosters at the moment um, and is looking for a head coaching role at some point pretty soon. Uh, The talk was if Bellamy was going to step down at the end of this year, uh, potentially, and he has coached at the Melbourne Storm before with Bellamy, potentially he could have gone to the Melbourne Storm, which would have taken uh, away from the Dragons having him potentially for next year. But look, in terms of Anthony Griffin, uh, the coach that the Dragons sacked yesterday, I think that probably would have happened anyway. Uh, There's a lot of other coaches being mentioned about who may take over. Uh, the Dragons full-time next year aside from Riles. Riles is the favourite. But no, I don't think Bellamy's re-signing has affected anything in terms of the Dragons for this year and what they have done. But it is good news for them for next year if they are going to go after Riles because Riles is, a fr- well, not a free man, but the Roosters have said, yes, you can go and coach the Dragons next year. So he looks quite likely to be the next St. George Illawarra Dragons coach. Is, is there a hole in this story from a Melbourne Storm perspective, the fact that they still haven't been able to identify a successor for Craig Bellamy? And it's that, even though it wasn't necessarily blatant in the, in the way that Craig announced that he was going to stay on and was more referring to his own position and the change of mindset, and I think one of the quotes that he said was, I came to realise you are a long time retired. But is there an element to this for the Melbourne Storm that they need to identify who is going to come in and eventually replace one of the greatest coaches that the country has ever seen. Not even the competition, the country, I'd suggest. Yeah, it's a good point, Matty. Um, yeah, because obviously if Bellamy had decided to go the other way and decided to retire at the end of this year, it would have been interesting to see what Jason Riles would have done. Uh, he would have had, I would say, both job offers, whether whether he had chosen the Storm or the Dragons. Well, we'll never know now more than likely who end up with the Dragons. The name that keeps getting floated around is Billy Slater. Uh, current Queensland coach, of course, has commitments on Channel 9 as well. But he has said at the moment he's not interested in coaching the NRL. Now, whether that changes over the next 12 months and Bellamy does step down at the end of next year and then we see Billy Slater take over in 2025, that remains to be seen. But if he is not interested in coaching the NRL and is quite happy with his Queensland commitments and his Channel 9 commitments for the next few years, it does leave the Storm in a bit of a predicament. Now, I'm sure they'll find a coach. Uh, There'll be a lot of coaches wanting to coach the Melbourne Storm. But I mentioned yesterday on the show, look, the Dragons are a hard job for a different reason. They've been a bit of a basket case for a few years now. But the Storm, whoever takes over the coaching role from Craig Bellamy has an incredibly hard job to do as well because you look at what Bellamy has done over the past, now will be 22 years, if it is next year, is is his last year. 
it's a hard uh, task to just step into someone like that shoes. One of the, as you said, one of the greatest coaches in the NRL rugby league history, one of the greatest coaches the country has ever seen. So whilst you would probably pick the Melbourne storm job, Matty over the dragons job, if you're offered it still a hard one. So yeah, I look, I think the storm have to get organized. I'm sure they are, but if it's not going to be Billy Slater, we'll see who it's going to be because there's not a lot of coaches around. Um, and I'm sure Riles would have been on their radar as well. The only good thing in this situation is that Bellamy's contracted through until 2026 in that coaching mm. director role that's part of the contract that he signed that five-year deal a couple of years ago. So at least that would be some comfort to whoever, whoever came in to take over that position. The other NRL or rugby league topic, because it doesn't necessarily impact the national competition, but it's the news that surfaced yesterday regarding the World Cup in 2025, the Rugby League World Cup, mm. not Rugby Union, Rugby <laughs> League World Cup. Mm. Organisers have withdrawn from hosting that event due to financial reasons. Are you able to shed any light on what's unfolded in this respect? And what are the chances that it's coming down under because that was also floated in some of the stories I read yesterday. Yeah, it's a, a real shame. I think everyone was looking forward to the World Cup being hosted in France in 2025. Uh, they've decided to pull uh, the pin for a few different reasons, but basically um, they've basically said they're just not sure they can fully fund it. Um, and I think there's a couple of other things going on behind the scenes there. But it, I tell you what, we're what the 17th of May, 2023, that World Cup was supposed to happen at the end of the NRL season in 2020. So it is still over two years away, but Matty, you know how these things take organised. It takes a lot of organising. Um, we were supposed to get qualifiers, I think, played at some point this year. So it is a bit disturbing. Um, I see in the paper today, Qatar put up their hand to host the Rugby League World Cup after they hosted the uh, Football World Cup not long ago. Uh, whether that happens or not, I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, they'll probably need to make a decision pretty quickly. Look, my personal opinion, um, whilst it would be great to be held here and in New Zealand, um, and I, look, I would not be surprised if that does happen. That might be the way it has to go if they have to uh, find a quick solution. Um, and listers may not agree, but I was over there in England for in the UK for the World Cup final last year. Uh, although a lot of people that were there for the whole tournament. And I think they just do that tournament so well. It means a um, I'm not going to say a lot more, but it does mean a degree more to the game over there in terms of promoting the game than it does here. So I'd just love to see them do it somewhere in Europe again, maybe based in the UK. Um, but as a couple of other people have suggested, maybe then take a few games to France, maybe take one to Italy, maybe go to different parts of Europe as well, but have the base in the UK. I think that would probably be where it would make the most sense. Whether they do that or not, whether the UK wants that or not, um, remains to be seen. But I think, yeah, if we could have the base of doing it in the UK and then maybe taking a few games around Europe, that's probably where I would be looking. But we'll have to wait and see whether they go with probably the easier option, and that is bringing it uh, to Australia and New Zealand in a couple of years' time. No doubt you'll get tickets wherever it's going to be. Absolutely. The other, the, the last one I want to throw at you, have you got tickets to Las Vegas <laughs> early next year or what's going on there? No, and I think that's one I won't have tickets for, Matty. Uh, <laughs> no, but they are, uh, well, Peter Volandis or Andrew Abdo, one of them said yesterday uh, that it is looking very promising, but still a lot more work to do. But it does seem like uh, at the moment, since this story first rocked up, 
uh, mid-April last uh, last month, basically, I think it was on Anzac Day, uh, we first started talking about it. Um, it looks still, still likely that it will happen. Um, and look, I, I, whether you agree with it or don't agree with it and whether it really does anything for the game in America or not, I, I'm sort of of the opinion you don't have much to lose in this situation. Um the worst that can happen is they go over there and it doesn't work, doesn't promote the game too much in America, um, and they don't lose a lot. I mean, from the initial article that was out three or four weeks ago, the broadcast, they wouldn't be spending much money on broadcasting because they've obviously got camera crew there um, and the stadium. We're still figuring out where they're going to play that one, but it would more than likely be in the new Las Vegas stadium. So, look, I, I don't think there's a huge issue with it. Um whether it happens or not, we'll have to wait and see. But all we're hearing from the NRL is that it is likely to happen or all the news so far has been positive. So we'll just have to wait and see. It would be a really interesting way to kick off uh, the next rugby league season anyway and would generate headlines. Yeah, and I wonder what the reception would be for the teams that would be competing over there yes. as well. Yes. Uh, all right, over to you now. Yeah, well, Swans, uh, they're struggling. This year. Um, and a bit of news around Buddy. I saw a couple of AFL legends saying that if he is going to retire at the end of the year, he should just announce it. Do you agree? Do you disagree? And what's going on with the Swans? Well, I'll, I'll start with the latter first. Um, we all know the context from last year and the fact that they lost to the Cats, or they were belted by the Cats in the grand mm. final last year by 81 points. And the history for teams that have been thumped in an AFL grand final over the last probably 15 years, maybe even 20 years, that the, the stats that go against a, a team that loses by a certain margin and how they're able to respond the following season isn't favourable. So that was already looming large over Sydney and whether or not it would impact their 2023 campaign. What probably wasn't considered was the fact that their injury list is as long as any in the competition but more importantly, it's affected the key pillars, particularly of this club. I'm looking at the injury list now, and they are some significant names. Callum Mills, the co-captain's going to be on the sidelines for four to six weeks with a calf injury he sustained on the weekend. Logan McDonald, the up-and-coming key forward, eight weeks out with an ankle. That go- coincides with Joel Amadi, who... Uh, made an impression replacing Buddy earlier in the season. He's still got four to six weeks with a hamstring injury. The McCartan brothers, which have been rock solid in defence, are both suffering from concussion in, uh, issues. We know what Paddy's had to deal with in the last few years, probably being one of the more high-profile cases in Australian sport when it comes to concussion. Mm. His brother suffered concussion the same weekend, returned last weekend, but now he's suffering symptoms. So he's been ruled out as well from the encounter this weekend. Dane Rampey's on the sideline for four to six weeks. Sam Reid, the season's gone. So there are some key names on the injury list. And as I said, the key pillars. So that is impacting how they are performing this season. I remember calling them probably earlier in the year. I think it might have been round two when they played Hawthorne at the SCG. And I thought, geez, they, they've got this hunger and this desperation that kind of, kind of made you excited about what the season ahead might hold. But it's fallen off a cliff badly, largely due to injuries. And then the fact that it's so dysfunctional, you've got players out of position. They're not that great around the ball at the moment because everything's out of whack. Their defence, their, their key, pillar, key pillars in defence aren't holding up. 
and the forward line isn't functioning, which then leads to the pressure on Buddy Franklin. And this is how the conversation has evolved this week here in the AFL. The fact that Buddy's not playing at the level that we're used to seeing from him, which is expected given he's 36 years of age. The fact that he's not playing at that level, the fact that those around him aren't playing at that level are raising questions about his future. Mm. Um, I think it's probably widely expected that this would be his last season in the AFL, regardless on what would happen with form, etc. just given his age and, and where the Sydney Swans are trying to position themselves going forward. But I kind of agree. Liam Montagna was the first to put this on the agenda on uh, Fox footy on Sunday night. And he basically said, announce his retirement officially now so then we can celebrate Buddy mm. through until the end of the season, which, which is great if you take it at surface value. But if you announce his retirement and he continues to play poorly... Then you start to raise questions about whether or not he should be selected in the side week in, week out, rather than allowing him to have a, a full season. So there's, I can see both elements of an argument. The, the only thing that's really saving Buddy at the moment probably is that there's no one pushing for his spot purely because there are so many injuries. He's a very hard one, isn't it, Matty? Uh, as you say, if he plays well for the rest of the season, he can celebrate what has been a great career no matter what happens. That's a real bonus for Buddy and the Swans. But if he continues to play poorly and the Swans continue play, to play poorly, yeah, and I can imagine uh, it could also become a bit of a distraction as well over the next couple of months. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. But, yeah, speaking to a lot of Swans fans here, Matty, they're not overly happy with the way they're playing. I've got one other one for you, Matty, just yes. before we move on um, and leave each Hit other me. for another week. The cricket, uh, Boxing Day test, uh, SCG New Year's test. Uh, they're saying that they might want to rotate them. Pat Cummins, the Australian captain, has come out, and it's in today's uh, Sydney Morning Herald. I mentioned it's the same there in the papers in Melbourne, saying he wouldn't be against it. He'd be happy for well anything uh, that helps the game. Could you ever see a day where there was no Boxing Day test at the MCG and to a, probably a slightly lesser extent, no New Year's test at the SCG? Uh, yeah, that's a very interesting question because I... I, I I raised this earlier in the week about breaking traditions in sport and when has it worked and when hasn't it worked. I don't, if, and maybe I'm looking at it through rose colored glasses, but I feel as if you can't move the Boxing Day test because of the occasion that it has become. But I wonder if you can move the New Year's test, particularly Adelaide is mm. snapping at the heels of Sydney. And this emerged last summer when there were questions more so around the weather. But the contractual arrangements between the venues and Cricket Australia means that it is up for grabs. I find it hard that Cricket Australia wouldn't move the Boxing Day test purely because day one, you're generally getting over 70,000, 80,000 in attendance, you can't generate that anywhere else in the country. So I, I struggle to see it moving from the MCG, the Boxing Day test. Mm. Do you feel the same way when it comes to Sydney? I agree with you, Ree Melbourne. Ree Sydney, uh, well, the rain, and we, we talked about this at the start of the year, the rain uh, does affect it. Um, I wouldn't be, look, I, I, it'd be a shame if it did get moved, but I wouldn't be overly surprised if at some stage it does get Moved. It would be a shame because there it is a tradition and it's well, been a tradition for at least as long as I've been alive and longer than that. 
but no, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be overly surprised. I would be less surprised about the Sydney Test being moved than the Boxing Day Test in Melbourne being moved. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and, and what about the day night test? Do you, do you like the fact that it's been shifted away from Adelaide this year up to Brisbane? Do you, do you like that or do you disagree with the fact that because Adelaide has become such an event and more of a spectacle mm. rather than necessarily the match that is played, to have that taken away, do you, do you feel as that? as if that diminishes the summer just a little bit? Yeah, I would have probably stuck with Adelaide. You're right. It's become an event over the past few years. I was overseas uh, last year, so I didn't get to see much of it. But you are right. It has become an event. And then to move it uh, to the Gabba, yeah. Uh, I think some things in sport, and we see it in the NRL, in the AFL, it does become some sort of tradition, the event that is based around that as well, not just the sporting event. Yeah, I, I probably would have stuck with Adelaide, but I think it's going to be an interesting few few years in terms of what Cricket Australia do do with the scheduling. We've seen that now with that day-night test, as you mentioned, and we'll have to wait and see. I think it's a watch this space in terms of what happens with the Boxing Day test and the Sydney test. And particularly when you're trying to manage the BBL as well and yes. how that all fits into mm. how the schedule mm. unfolds, given that was reduced late last week in terms of the games that we're going to get for the home and away matches or the regular season matches. So. Very, very intriguing. It is, it is. Now, Maddie, I've got good news. I'll be here again next week as well. So we'll be able to have a chat once again next is week. It, is it good news or is it... Um... <laughs> well, 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 good news for me because I get paid probably bad news for some. But anyway, I look forward to it. <laughs> yes, I do as well. Good on you, part-time. Thank you, Maddie. <laughs> Maddie Cox here in Melbourne. We'll have a chat with him again next week. Anything you want to talk about out of that, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy or 0457 We'll get to your text and we'll have a chat with Jack Clifton from the Red V Podcast next. It's coming up to 26 minutes to 6. And we're going to have a chat with Jack Clifton from the Red Feet Podcast in just a second. Just updating the Champions League. 38 minutes gone. Inter and Milan nil all. But Inter, of course, lead that on aggregate after their win last week 2-0. Just before we go to Jack, let's go to the open line. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Scott from Wollongong is on the line. Morning to you, Scott. Morning, mate. You were talking before about entering club uh, coaches that turns clubs around. Yep. You remember that Johnny Morris took over the Sharks. Mm-hmm. They were a tragic club at the time. They turned it around, and he brought them into the semi-finals. Yeah, um, yeah. Since then, he's gone on to assistant coaches and done well everywhere he's went. I just wonder why they haven't considered him over Jason Riles, who's at the Roosters, who are underperforming. Yeah, that's yeah. Good point, Scott. Good point, John. Uh, yeah, very good uh, coach at the Cronulla Sharks. Was probably let go a bit harshly. They've got a very good coach at Craig Fitzgibbon now, of course. But yeah, I'm sort of surprised. I might put that to our next guest. Sort of surprised his name hasn't been uh, mentioned. Good call, Scott. Uh, what are you up to today? Uh, working, mate. Working. As you see, Johnny Morris is at South, and how good are they going at the moment? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, his name hasn't been mentioned. Could be. Thanks for this call, Scott. Call any time, mate. All right, mate. Uh, yeah, very good point. John Morrison, of course, was let go a couple of years ago from the Cronulla Sharks, uh, but still coaching pretty well at Cronulla. All right, uh, let's turn our attention back to the Dragons, as has been the focus over the past 24 or so hours. And host of the Red V podcast, very popular podcast in and amongst the Dragons fraternity, is Jack Clifton, and he's on the line now. He's woken up very early for this chat. He's so excited by it. Jack, good morning to you. 
Good morning, Dan. How you doing, mate? I'm very, very well. Um, firstly, John Morris, a name that hasn't been mentioned, probably wouldn't be a, a bad idea. But what's your reaction to the sacking of Anthony Griffin? I said at the top of the show, and I said yesterday, from a personal point of view, uh, you never want anyone to lose their job. So you obviously wish him all the best. And from all reports, Anthony Griffin, uh, a nice guy. Um, but I think from a rugby league perspective, I'm, I'm not a Dragons fan, but I think from a rugby league perspective, this was really the only thing the Dragons could do. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it, it had to come um, now, you feel, Dan. Six losses on the trot for the Dragons. And there have been a lot of issues, I guess, dating back to, to the start of the season. Um, uh, Andy Griffin had been given like a, a effectively a ten game ultimatum um, that yeah um, basically you need to need to need to win games or at least kind of be uh, have a have a favourable record um, to, to to keep his role and and I think if you if you're on the outside looking in you you probably look at the results um, for the Dragons and the teams that um, that they've played against uh, and they've got a, a tough draw coming up they have probably had a bit of a favourable draw so I think that's probably played on the minds of of the board members and upper management and CEO Ryan Webb as well. Uh, but it's it's something that's lingered on for a, for a fair few years. Um, yeah, nothing personal against Anthony Griffin, but yeah, some of the selection um, of, of guys like your Corey Normans and your Moses Empires, while some of the young uh, boom players that that, uh, that Dragons fans have been excited about potentially seeing in first grade haven't quite got the same opportunities. When that's the case, I, I think the the board's going to come pretty swiftly. And and um, if if the Dragons don't play finals footy, which it's looked like they're not even going to get close this year, that's going to be five seasons in a row. That they haven't played finals footy. So I feel like the decision was, was long overdue and, and, and it had to come. Although I think the way that it was handled yesterday by the Dragons was uh, yeah, it was certainly not something that uh, made Dragons fans excited. It was it was a bit of a dog's breakfast down there at Wollongong. Yeah, Vossi said a similar thing on breakfast yesterday here on SCN. Uh, look, the fans' reaction to it. Um, there was supposed to be a planned protest uh, ahead of uh, on Cogra, at Cogra on Friday with their game against the Roosters, you'd imagine that would not go ahead anymore. But from the little bits I've seen on social media and the Dragons fans that I know, I think everyone is in agreement that it had to happen. And I've said throughout the year, I mean, even if Anthony Griffin stayed as coach for the rest of the year and the Dragons had been performing a little better than they have mm. been, Jack, surely it has to have been a distraction. You can block the outside noise as much as you can when you're a player, but you are still going to hear bits and pieces about it, especially when they are being uh, put up at press conferences, which they have to be every week. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And I think the, the fact the players had to front the media was, was pretty poor from the Dragons. I think it would have been yeah, it would have been good for, for Ryan Webb or... or um, uh, Lancaster, the chairman, um, to um, to front the media. Um, I know they had experienced players there in Jack DeBellin and Ben Murdoch Masilla, but that's the last thing that players would have wanted to do when they rocked up for rocked up for training. So yeah, it, it, I think it's been a massive distraction, um, and I think that's the thing when you 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 create a bit of an ultimatum with your coach and you say, well, you've got ten weeks to kind of prove your worth or. Um, yeah, you're going to be in consideration for the coach next year, but you're going to have to uh, the coaching role, but you're going to have to reapply. I think those kinds of things, yeah, they they um, can have a really detrimental effect on a playing group. And I think we've seen that from from the Dragons. They've looked like a very poorly coached side for a long time, but especially the last couple of weeks, and especially for anyone that watched that game on Saturday night against the Cowboys up in Townsville, they just looked like a side that was just really lost. Um, didn't it seemed to be all void of ideas. Um, the confidence was really low. Uh, players uh, missing tackles, missed assignments um, out on the fringes. So, yeah, I, I feel that was probably the final straw and, and, and the board kind of had to had to think, OK, well, what do we want? Do we want another 
15 or 17 weeks of, of this and potentially uh, getting belted by 40 or 50 by, uh, by Penrith and by Melbourne and by T- and Parramatta teams like that? Or do we make a decision? And, and they've gone the direction of, of Ryan Carr, who's mm. yeah, coached a little bit um, at New South Wales Cup level and has coached with the Featherstone Rovers over in the UK. So, yeah, it's, uh, I think fans are excited. And we've already seen a couple of uh, yeah really good uh, team changes that, that hopefully has a bit of effect against your boys on Friday night, Dan. Yeah, Zach Lomax, Jake Little back into the team. Before I ask you who you think and who you want to take over for next year, just a really quick one on Ben Hunt. Um, he's been very supportive of Anthony Griffin, um, really outspoken about his support of Anthony Griffin. Do you see there is a chance the Dragons, um, and I know you're not in and around the board, but there's a chance that they could lose Ben Hunt? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I, I feel like, yeah, there was some real fighting words from, from Ben Hunt, but I don't know if he would realistically follow follow through. Um, I guess there would be some other teams in the NRL that would be uh, yeah. that would potentially kind of throw a little bit of money at him. Um, yeah, I, I, personally, I don't think that will change. It, it certainly wouldn't change this year. Um, it might be something that, that uh, the media makes a, a bit of a storm and a tick about over the off-season, uh, but I, I can't see him leaving. He's been, he's been at the Dragons um, since the, the back end of 2017, start of 2018, so this has been his home for, for a long time. I think he's been at the Dragons just as long as he was uh, playing first grade at Brisbane, so it's really become his, his, uh, his second home down here in, uh, in the Southern Show and also um, down in Wollongong. Um, so I, I can't see him leaving, uh, but at the same time, I think there is there is a part of the Dragons fan base that, um, although they'll be a little bit upset that, that Ben would depart, it, it might actually be a blessing in disguise if if another side did try and come in and lure him away. He is earning close to $1.1 million per season. That's a fair chunk of your cap. And as great as Ben Hunt's been, so for Queensland and Australia and, and, and match-winning performances against the Dragons, probably hasn't been able to lift them or hasn't been able to lift them to, to a level um, that the, the fan base would have liked. And, of course, that's mm. not just on, on one player. Um, but at the same time, when you look back on some of those performances last year where he finished um, second in the WM voting, um, it was uh, yeah games against the likes of the West Tigers and your Canterbury's and your Newcastle's and Gold Coast where he, where he stood up, wasn't able to do it against against the top side. So I guess take from that what, what you will, but I, I would imagine for at least the rest of this season, um, yeah, Ben Hunt's going to be the starting seven for the Dragons. All right, and final one for you, Jason Riles. It looks like he's going to mm. be the next coach. He's been given permission by the Roosters that he can can go there if he wants them, if he wants uh, to. Um, and it looks like there'll be more talk about that after the Roosters-Dragons game on Friday night. Would you go Jason Rolls or would you go someone else? I said this on the podcast last night. I, I, would, be, I would be leaning towards a Jason Riles. I think he's done, um, yeah, two, uh, two really good, um, or has had two kind of really good mentor, mentors um, in, in Craig Bellamy and, and also Trent Robinson and two really good systems, obviously, with the Storm and, and the Roosters, two premiership-winning coaches. I think he's someone that brings fresh ideas. I know there's been a fair few fans and a fair few people saying that, um, oh, he's, a, he's just another old boy. Well, Jason Riles hasn't been in the club for 15 years. His final season with the Red V was in, in 2008, and he went on to play with, with Melbourne and, and also the Chooks, ironically enough, against the Dragons in that, that 2010 grand final. So um, I think he would bring a fresh set of eyes. I think the latest rumour that um, NRL 360 were talking about was uh, was that potentially Ben Hornby and Dean Young would come as assistant coaches. Um, but I, I do think he would be the right appointment. I think going to, um, uh, I guess, 
quote-unquote experienced um, coach, someone like a Des Hasler, could just be a recipe for disaster because then that's exactly what the Dragons did with uh, with Anthony Griffin. They went with someone that was outside the club, didn't uh, wasn't attached to the club whatsoever. They went with an experienced uh, experienced campaigner, a guy that had taken plenty of sides to finals footy, um, and it didn't work out. So I think, yeah, trying to get some fresh ideas and, and trying to get a, a guy that's, that's good at recruitment and in, in, in enticing players to play for the Dragons, which probably isn't a very enticing uh, thing to do at the moment. I think that's really key moving forward. So, yeah, it, that, if, you're, if you're kind of reading the tea leaves, reading the paper, that's certainly what, um, what's being promoted up here in, in the Sydney Rugby League media. But as we know, it changes every day. So who knows? There might be someone else's name that gets thrown into the mix in the, in the next 12 to 24 hours, mate. Yeah, we'll wait and see what happens there. Just quickly in 30 seconds or less, give your podcast a plug. Uh, well, if, yeah, any, uh, well, for all Dragons fans, but also and non-rugby league fans, we uh, we update um, everything happening with the club from first grade to reserve grade to the women's side, 21s. Um, yeah, match reviews, uh, match previews, um, latest news. But basically everything about the about the Dragons that you could want, we uh, we bring it to you. Also, kind of tip our cap to to the history of both St George and Illawarra, something the club doesn't do a great job of. Um, and yeah, we like to celebrate uh, that as well. So yeah, me and my my co-host Curtis Woodward every every Tuesday night. We did have some issues getting the podcast out last night, but it's a uh, being pumped out this morning so um yeah appreciate all the, the support and appreciate you um yeah having me on Dan. it's always always great to chat footy and always great to chat about the dragons jack great stuff we'll chat again soon had good luck on friday night against the roosters sort of and we'll speak soon <laughs> thanks dan thanks mate jack clifton host of the Raider v podcast we'll take a break finish off with all your texts it is coming up to ten and a half to six Bit of news breaking overnight as well in regards to tennis. Nick Kyrgios is out of the French Open. Nick Kyrgios out of the French Open. Uh, hopefully we'll be back for Wimbledon. All right, Tex, uh, this on the back of our chat with Jack. He says, morning. Uh, this from Andy, morning. Without Ben Hunt, the Dragons would have a couple of wooden spoons. Money well spent. Clubs are shambles. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily agree with Jack about letting Ben Hunt go. I think he's been the Dragons' best for a few years now, um, definitely the past couple of years, but everyone entitled to their opinion. Uh, also, Rugby League World Cup, Fiji, Samoa, Tonga, PNG, Fiji Holiday plus Rugby League games. How good? Uh, very, very good point. Uh, this from Gary. Dan, why not just have the World Cup in Las Vegas, just like the stupid idea they are suggesting for next year in terms of the NRL? All right. Thank you, Gary. Uh, this from the Oval Treatment. Hi, Dan. Paul Ruse comes to mind as a successful interim coach, replacing Rodney Ede. The Swans won six out of the remaining 10 games of the season, prompting Ruse to be appointed a full-time coach in the start of a successful career as a senior coach. Yes, very good AFL coach, Paul Ruse. Uh, this from the Kingswood Welder. Uh, good morning, Sir Nutshell. I'm not a Dragons fan, but I hope the next coach fails, as has the previous few. The, num- uh, the members need to wake up to the fools making these same mistakes over and over. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, this one, no name on it. I'd like the World Cup in New Zealand. And this one to finish off uh, from Brendan Sharks fan here. John Morris only beat one or two top eight sides in the years he was with us. Limped into the top eight because everyone below us were that bad. Was ugly footy. In Fitzgibbon, we trust. Up, up, Cronulla. Cheers, Brendan. Thank you, Brendan. Lots coming up on the two breakfast shows after 6am. Patton Heels along for our listeners in Queensland. Vossi and James Magnuson along for our listers through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney. I'll catch you back here tomorrow morning from 5 AM. Have a great uh, Wednesday. Breakfast follows the news.